Hi. 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 Welcome to the Barefoot Office. My name is Shane, and I have lit a candle. Headmaster's Office, uh, which is a blend of cedarwood, lemon, and fireplace from Frostbeard Candle Studios, my favorite candle store. I've taken off my shoes. I can't remember if I said that before the bit about the candle. And I have prepared myself to meet with Jesus. Through reading and reflection and the words of the Gospel of Matthew, where we're in for at least this month and next month and maybe into July as well. I can't remember how far I looked ahead. And maybe even by spending time with Jesus to find our own spirits, our own lives, and maybe even beyond that to find God with us also. I'm so glad you're here. We'll be doing a Lectio Divina practice as we usually do, reading a short bit of text three times and asking three reflection questions each time. The first time, simply taking notice of what word or phrase sticks out to you. Now, hearing that John had been handed over, he withdrew into Galilee. And departing from Nazareth, he came and took up his dwelling in Capernaum beside the sea in the territories of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that there might be fulfilled what was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, sea road beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people sitting in darkness saw a great light, and light dawned upon those sitting in the region and shadow of death. From that time, Jesus began to make his proclamation and to say, Change your hearts, for the kingdom of the heavens has drawn near. What word or phrase stuck out to you? For me, it was beside the sea, but also just the whole verse. The people sitting in darkness saw a great light, and light dawned upon those sitting in the region and shadow of death. It's a quote from Isaiah, and I know that because I have an illustrated picture of it hanging on the wall of the dining room at the house, given to me by my spouse and illustrated by the wife of my former co-worker. The second time as we read, what seems spiritual to you? Where do you pause and start to reflect and think about some deeper meaning? 
whether of life or of the spirit of Jesus of God what calls to the deep inside of you now hearing that John had been handed over Jesus withdrew into Galilee And departing from Nazareth, he came and took up his dwelling in Capernaum beside the sea in the territories of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that there might be fulfilled what was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, sea road beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people sitting in darkness saw a great light, and light dawned upon those sitting in the region and shadow of death. From that time, Jesus began to make his proclamation and to say, Change your hearts, for the kingdom of the heavens has drawn near. Where do you see God in this passage? For me, a couple of the things I I wonder about are just that Jesus takes up this call from John, change your hearts, and I'm still struck by that unusual phrase. It's not repent, but change your heart. It's just a difference that I talked about before as being repent, kind of implies to, at least to my mind, raised in sort of the evangelical Bible belts, conservative church world that I grew up in, out of sin into holiness, into purity, into righteousness. But Jesus just says, change your hearts, not repent. Just change. I also wonder, I'm a biblical scholar, I am not, but I wonder about this land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali. And I know that at some point in the Old Testament, as the Israelites are coming out of Egypt and into the promised land, which is um, complicated, let's say, Um, at least that much. There were two tribes and a half-tribe. It was the half-tribe of Gad. I don't know, and there's something about a shibboleth and some that couldn't say it right, but I just wonder what the significance is here. Beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. It's important enough to the gospel writer to point it out, to make meaning of it, to use it to fulfill this prophecy, or at least to make this echo back to Isaiah. And I just wonder what it is, that it's the beginning of broken relationships made whole, or bringing the outsiders inside or erasing the distinctions. I don't know. Maybe it's just that Jesus wanted to be by the water. How he can be beside the sea and yet beyond the the Jordan. 
I really am not sure because I don't have a map in front of me, but just some things that I wonder about. This third time, our reflection question is, what is God calling us to do or to be? in these words as we encounter them, as we reflect on them. Now, hearing that John had been handed over, he withdrew into Galilee, and, departing from Nazareth, he came and took up his dwelling in Capernaum beside the sea, in the territories of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that there might be fulfilled what was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, sea road beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people sitting in darkness saw a great light, and light dawned upon those sitting in the region and shadow of death. From that time, Jesus began to make his proclamation and to say, Change your hearts, for the kingdom of the heavens has drawn near. What is God calling you to do or to be in this passage? For me, I'm just sitting with the imagery of light and of darkness. In the translation I have in my brain from the book of John. The opening chapter, the light, the true light was coming into the world. The light shined in the darkness and the darkness has not understood it. In one translation, the darkness has not overcome it in another translation. And here we get the light has dawned upon those sitting in the region and shadow of death. I've done, in these last few months, a fair amount of sitting in the region and shadow of death. Some days and nights where I've had panic attacks. Some days, more days, thankfully, but days and nights where I've been suicidal. Lots of days and nights where I've wondered if healing is real, if hope is real, if light is real. And a lot of time being trapped under the voice of the accuser, the slanderer, saying that any light I have been was not light or was not enough or that I am not light anymore or that I will never be light again. And while we're not there yet, in Matthew, Jesus will say to those people gathered around him in the Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world, which is what gives me confidence to say to you and to myself Every night as I record this, the light of God, which you are, 
always. But I think that to my perfectionist tendencies, to my adult child of an alcoholic tendencies, my so-called 14 laundry list traits, among which are being afraid of authority figures, anger, any personal criticism. I've always, or at least as long as I can remember, heard about light and darkness and thought of it that it must be something like the caricature of a million cockroaches scurrying when you turn the light on in a room. That the light eradicates the darkness, that where there is light, no darkness can remain, or no, it is not possible for there to be any darkness anymore. And yet, whether in John or in this passage from Matthew, light has dawned on those sitting in the valley of the shadow of death. Light has dawned. In dawn, when the sun rises, the shadows are long. The darkness is still fresh in mind. And the shadows are long. I wonder what shadows of suffering of this time I will carry with me. And how even the laundry list traits that I carry with me are shadows of earlier times in my life. And how it's good for me to pause and reflect in the candlelight, the gentle light of the strand of Christmas lights I have above my windows, that the light and the darkness coexist. The light does not drive out the darkness. The darkness does not overcome the light. The light comes into the darkness, but they coexist. It is impossible to be joyful and happy all the time. It is impossible to eradicate and eliminate suffering and pain. And yet I've lived a lot of my adult life trying to take pain away from people, trying to be light to other people, trying to bring healing and hope wherever I can, wherever I am, always, all the time. Someone said to me recently in one of my meetings, or not to me, but to a small group of us, just use this phrase that hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm so, I can't stand 
your depression and so I have to fix you so that I can be comfortable. And in that share, I heard myself, my own story. I have to fix you so that I can be comfortable. And in my 12-step program, I'm learning that my life is unmanageable when I focus on others rather than myself. When I try to become the light, when I try to eradicate the darkness, I can't do it. It's impossible, because while I am the light of the world, the light has shined on me. I believe the light shines in me. It is the light that dawns over and into the region of the valley of shadow of death. And the shadows remain. The shadows at dawn are long. And that's okay. Because it's true. Because it is. And so, even as I've taken to recording these later and later in the night, in the dark, with a candle glowing, becoming more comfortable with the darkness in myself and in the world, becoming more comfortable with the light and with the dark that I truly am, and being okay. A prayer for the third week of Easter. O God, whose blessed Son made himself known to to his disciples in the breaking of bread, open the eyes of our faith that we may behold him in all his redeeming work, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Hope and joy be yours. Hope that someday soon you will get to return to the breaking of the bread in community where the light within you can reflect and rebound off of the light within others. The light of God, which is in you, which casts a shadow into the darkness, but does not eradicate it, but nevertheless is the light of God which you are always.